Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running from networks and security to communications and 24-7 support. Our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com business. Blackfoot, connect to more. Polaris Studio. Here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. How D, our number two. Good to be with you. Thanks for letting us be there on your radios, on your TVs, on your internets and such. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, check it out on the podcast. The podcast is available wherever and whenever you get your podcast. You can check it out at any time you would like to. The podcast available thanks to Alpine Touch and Blackfoot. If you'd like to uh, give us a call, 361-3688 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. And if you would like to listen live on the internet, you go to our website, 1029ESPN.com. The stream is there all the time, and the stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. It is now time for something we do every Wednesday around here, the ESPN Roundtable. ESPN Roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls, and our guest this week is a uh, writer for Hero Sports, covers the FCS nationally, and he is a friend of the show, Sam Herter, joining us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Sam, thank you so much for being here. We are happy to have you here. Now that you're here, tell us what in the wide world is happening. Okay, what happened today with this vote? And as you see what the NCAA Board of Governors handed down, particularly as it pertains to the administration of fall sports championships and their list of requirements, what do you think that says to you? And what are you hearing from administrators around the country about the viability of football this fall? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild few days, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I mean, going all the way back to Sunday uh, when I was reaching out to uh, some FCS officials from different conferences and teams, 
uh, kind of get a vibe on what's going to happen at the Board of Governors meeting. Uh, there was a ton of uncertainty, and you know, a lot of a lot of the the people I talked to said that there is a growing sense that the vote is is going to get delayed, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, I mean, last night we learned that uh, a decision was going to be announced this morning. Uh, later on last night, uh, then we also learned that um, that they might that this that the board of governors might not vote at all. And then uh, just you know the the news that broke uh, this morning is the the board uh, basically said they're going to leave it up to each division, uh, which I think um, I think it makes sense for the board of governors to do that to let division one decide their fall championships, division two, division three. Uh, but I think they should have came up with this this with this decision two or three weeks ago, you know, I, it, it, to me, it didn't make sense for the board of governors, which is a 25 member board, uh, with only three rep, three FCS representatives. It didn't make sense to me for them to decide how the FCS playoffs, how it's going to happen. So for them to move it down to have the division one council decide that makes sense because I think half of that council, uh, there's 40 members on that council. Half of them come from the FCS or come from an FCS school. Um, so it, like I said, it does make sense for the Division One Council uh, to make this decision. Uh, I just think, you know, they 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 should have been given the reins two or three weeks ago. Uh, then maybe we would have an answer uh, by now. So um, I know there's a lot of growing frustration, uh, especially with players, both coaches as well, and athletic directors, that this keeps on getting pushed back. But ultimately, what I think is going to happen is. You know, each conference is going to have their president's call, and rather quickly, they're, they're going to have to decide. Uh, I mean, how many teams from our conference uh, are able uh, to play this fall and uh, and can commit to playing this fall? And then from there, I mean, it could be eleven out of eleven Valley teams. It could be nine out of thirteen Big Sky teams that can play this fall. There's twenty. You know, maybe it's five out of nine SoCon teams. There's twenty-five, and we just you know we find out conference by conference. All right, this this. This is how many teams from this conference can play. Um, and then we get a sense of, you know, is that 45% of the teams, 50%, 60%. Um, and, you know, if, if it's more than 50%, then, then, then we'll have a playoff. I think the, 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 the visual and council, in my opinion, isn't really going to make a decision. They're just going to gather all the teams that can play this fall uh, from the FCS and, and do a little bit of math and figure out if it's above or below 50%. Speaking of the Division One Council, uh, from the Big Sky Conference pers- uh, perspective, the Big Sky Conference representatives are Montana Senior Women Administrator Jean Gee uh, from the University of Montana, as well as Northern Colorado linebacker Justice Latrell. He's the president of the uh, the Big Sky SAC Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Uh, but Sam, here's my question for you. I understand that we're still trying to piece this puzzle together. I think that the validity of playing in the fall is a much more realistic option for several of the schools that have among the most clout in all of the FCS, namely Montana, Montana State, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, South Dakota. Those are in uh, safe states. They're, I guess, safer in this strange world that we live in, whatever that might Mm -hmm. mean now. but. There are also schools that can benefit from playing in front of crowds. They actually make money when they play in front of home crowds, but we might have reduced crowds. So, twofold question. Financially, do you think it's worth it for these schools to make a run at it in the fall if they are going to be playing in front of a half-full at most stadiums? But secondly, if at a conference level, say the Big Sky Conference or the Missouri Valley Conference, move the playoff to the spring or, or push for that narrative, is it possible we see a fracturing of the FCS? Because it seems to me that schools like in the SoCon and the Big South, 
they're going to make a run at this thing simply to keep their money games on the schedule and because it's just much more simple to play regional opponents. So where do you stand? Is it worth it playing in the fall from a financial perspective? And if it does move to the spring, is it possible we see a fracturing of this level of football? Yeah, I mean, I think that is an interesting question because, uh, I mean, two or three months ago, however long it was, you know, I was asked uh, about it on a different radio show, and I said uh, at that time I felt, you know, if, if the FCS had an option of playing in front of no fans in the fall or playing in front of 50, 75% or maybe even full stadiums in the spring, I feel like a decent amount of FCS teams would rather play in the spring. Uh, But now I get the sense that uh, teams are very, very motivated to play in the fall. Uh, You know, I know North Dakota State uh, really wants to play in the fall and they're fine with uh, the fact that maybe they're, maybe the Fargo Dome will only be 50% full. Uh, they know they will obviously take a revenue loss, but they think they can get by with, um, you know, having a 50% full stadium. Uh, you look down south, I mean, Chattanooga, the Citadel, Mercer, and BMI, uh, teams out of the Silicon that, that don't draw extremely well, but they are very determined to play in the fall. Uh, Charleston Southern, a team out of the Big South, uh, they came out and said, even if there isn't a playoff this fall, they are still determined to play this fall. Uh, and again, some of those teams I just mentioned, they don't draw huge crowds, but at the same time, you know, ticket revenue would, would probably be more in the spring for them uh, than in the fall. So that, that has been interesting uh, to, to see what I've gathered, that a lot of teams um, really want to play in the fall, even if that means the stands won't be full or any fans at all in the stands. But I think as far as maybe a split season or a fracturing of the FCS here this year, I think that that certainly is possible, especially when you consider the fact that six conferences are already postponing their season to the spring. The other seven still are currently proceeding as if they're going to play in the fall. But you know, like I said earlier, they need to come up with that definitive decision pretty soon, but I think there is a chance that, uh, you know, some teams will be playing this fall and some teams will be playing in the spring. And even if, let's say, the, the, the vote is or the, the decision is to have the FCS playoffs in the spring, I still do think there are going to be some FCS games being played this fall. See, I agree with that. That was going to be my next question is I, I think that there's an opportunity here if even say the big sky in the Missouri Valley moved to the spring and it's decided that the FCS playoff will be in the spring, I still do think there's a chance for teams to play what amounts to exhibition games or perhaps non-conference games based on availability in the fall and basically make it a two-part season. Say you have a you know Montana State versus South Dakota State sometime in September, or you have a Montana-North Dakota state sometime in September, and then circle back around and play your Missouri Valley slate if you're North Dakota state or, or your Big Sky slate if you're Montana or Montana state in the spring. Have you heard any rumblings about potentially getting at least a little bit of football activity in this fall while also then planning toward maybe having the full uh, competitive for a championship part of the season come in the spring? I do know that has been discussed uh, in FCS circles as far as, you know, what happens if, you know, would it be if, you know, scenarios lay out uh, in situations uh, happen where, you know, is there a chance that we could play some games in the fall and then finish up the season in the spring? Uh, that's all it is right now is conversations. Um, I think that is uh, a bit of a, you know, kind of on the, on the back burner right now as far as uh, scenarios that could play out. Uh, like I said, a lot of teams want to play this fall, but I think if push comes to shove, 
you know, there is an opportunity potentially for some regional teams to play some games in the fall, maybe even have your non-conference in the fall, uh, and then finish up and play six more games in the spring. I I believe I don't know if this was a report or and it has been confirmed in the in the NAI came out with it, um, but I believe the NAI uh, for football they're playing their playoffs in the fall or in the spring, excuse me, but they are allowing teams to play their games in the fall and then you know if they qualify they can come back and play again in the spring uh, for the playoffs. So right, that's exactly I, what's happening that, in Montana. The Montana Frontier Conference schools okay. are going to play this fall, uh, but then. If and when they qualify for the playoffs, I guess they'll have to sit around and wait how everybody see how everybody else does. But uh, yeah, then they'll reconvene in the spring for the playoffs. So yes, that's that's happening uh, even here in the great state of Montana. Yeah, and I think that 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 potentially could happen in the FCS, where, where maybe some teams in the med, in the Midwest do get some games in uh, this fall. Then they finish up the spring season. Uh, they, they finish up the spring season when the playoffs happen in the spring. I know that has been discussed, but I don't think it, it's it's gone too far um, in discussion points. Sam Herder joining us from Hero Sports. He's the subject of our ESPN roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Along those lines, if there are, if, if schools and conferences are going to pursue a fall football schedule, how it, it seems to me that there has to be something like uh, uh, an agreement conference to conference that that you know the requisite number of schools to attract try and approach that 50 percent number to get a full championship is there so are you aware of conversations say between doug elgin of of the missouri valley and tom wistersill of the big sky that they are having conversations that say hey man like I think we're going to try and go. How many, I think we got like, you know, eight or nine schools together. Can you guys go? Can we play each other to fill dates? Is, is, are those conversations interconference-wide happening as, uh, according to what you've heard? Well, we do know uh, that the, the FCS Championship Committee uh, has met already today. Uh, they still might be meeting right now, but I know they had a meeting scheduled um, once the board of directors came out with, with their announcements uh the, the fcs championship committee did uh get on a call uh together and met earlier today um and those you know have representatives from from each conference so i think there is where those discussions took place you know as far as uh you know the, the big sky saying yeah you know we, we feel this many teams can can play in the fall uh it seems like the valley every team in the valley uh has kind of been arm in arm and and the entire Missouri Valley Football Conference is ready to play this fall. Um, I, I feel like the Pioneer Football League, that would be a pretty big domino the fall because right now they're scheduled. Uh, they're proceeding as if they will play this fall. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, an assistant coach uh, within the Pioneer Football League reached out to me and said it's going to be very hard for our conference to play this fall because, I mean, the, the, the testing requirements require that we need to test every single week and we just might not have the money to do, to do that. So we might have to cancel just based off of money. Well, there's, I believe, eight to ten teams right there in the Pioneer Football right. League that, that that would drop out um, and that would, I mean, obviously knock the percentage down. So I do think those discussions are uh, have been had today uh, within that FCS uh, leadership committee, the championship committee, 
pretty much to just to get a gauge on okay, you know how what's your conference outlook like? I mean, how many teams realistically do you think can play out of your conference, and then uh, from there just kind of <laughs> kind of piece things together from there. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better, by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> it's it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Uh, Sam, I want to ask you about that 50% requirement. Look, 50% is a nice round number. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but also, it, it's, it feels so so arbitrary. Like, like wh- what difference does it make if there's 80% or 30% of the teams that are there if it comes to administrating what's already going to be a very atypical and very different set of fall championships to to the NCAA. I mean, on one hand, maybe it makes sense just kind of on a surface level, but on another hand, it's like, well, hey, it's already weird. It's already going to be different. What do they care whether there's actually 50% of teams participating or something like, you know, 30% or something like, you know, more more than that. I, I don't know. Where where did that – what do you think about that? Am I, am I just completely off my rocker for calling <laughs> off 50% as being just, like, pulled from thin air somehow? Like, what's the basis for that figure? No, I, I think you're on to something because, you know, I, I, I wish they would have – uh, they might regret using that language or, or using 50%. You know, maybe they should have used language of the, the Division One Council will evaluate the, the percentage of teams uh, that can play this fall and make a determination from there. Uh, just because, I mean, let's say the, the percentage of teams that want to play this fall is 40%, uh, but of that 40%, you have all the teams from the Valley, most of the teams from the Big Sky, including all the top teams. Uh, you have, you know, most of the top teams in the OVC, the SoCon, the Southland. You have James Madison out of the CAA. All those teams, all the top teams, uh, want to play for a playoff, and but it's only forty percent. Does the Division One Council say, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> it's it's not, it's under fifty percent, so uh, we can't play"? So I, I do think you're onto something there. Where um, I, I guess I understand the fifty percent, just because you want to make uh, a, a, a that's a that's a fair number to have of you know, all right, at least half the teams. Uh, 
or at least half the the playoff qualifying teams uh, have to be playing this fall in order to have a playoffs. But at the same time, I mean, if no offense to the Pioneer Football League, but if but if you know those teams can't compete, I mean, that's that's going to drop the percentage down a whole lot. But I mean, it's weird that you know teams like you know Marist and Valpo that they might have a big say on whether North Dakota State and Montana. James Madison can play uh, for a playoff. Uh, I mean, like I said, no offense to those, to those teams, but no uh, those, fandom, those teams fine. Fa- those, those, those teams aren't factors. <laughs> those teams aren't factors in the in the national picture. And if that whole if that whole league decides to not play this fall, um, I mean that could that that right there could be the deciding factor. Uh, you know, consider, considering some other teams and other conferences might have to drop out to to push that percentage down below fifty percent. To me, the most revelatory part of this entire uh, <laughs> disaster of organizational operation that we've seen is twofold. One, it's been very revealing, showing the way that the NCAA operates. Uh, for, for people that aren't in it every day like we are as sports journalists and, and sports broadcasters. But also, I'm always ranting and raving about how the, the FBS is less appealing to me because it's all about money. But I think we've now seen... All of sports and all of college sports are all about money, no matter what level we're talking about. And that's the craziest part about the 50% stipulation to me is like you're saying, Sam, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, you can spin it however you really want. But at the end of the day, no team that has any realm of possibility to win the FCS National Championship has canceled yet, except for maybe if someone came out as a dark horse out of the CAA. But other than that, I mean, even the CAA powers, namely, I mean, I guess Towson could have been kind of good this year. But other than that, there's maybe a couple CAA teams that might have been able to rise up. But mostly, all the teams that would contend for a national title this year are still at least considering playing. So I guess my question for you, to kind of circle back around to what I already asked you, what do you think this indicates for the future of the FCS? Because I think, to me, this is basically drawing a line in the sand of the schools that do have viable, real, financially sustainable football programs and those that don't. It's, it's going to be interesting to see the shakeouts uh, of all this, and especially when, you, when you're talking about you know fin- the financial part of it. And the FCS is so interesting that... Uh, the Montana schools, North Dakota State, James Madison, they depend on uh, ticket revenue to basically operate their entire athletic departments. Uh, but then you have other teams that lose a ton of money <laughs> just by operating the football team. Uh, that costs the athletic department a lot of money in the FCS. It costs the school a lot of money in the FCS. So for some teams, for them to cancel the football season altogether, that's saving them money. Uh, so you have such you know, high and low extremes in the FCS uh, when it comes to money. Um, and that is uh, really the interesting part uh, when you dive into it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what the fallout is. But, you know, there are some, I think there are some programs out there that have already been teetering on maybe dropping division or just dropping football entirely just because it is such a money pit and the, the teams haven't been competitive. And, you know, they're hanging on their Division One status by a thread. I think this might be the final nail where the athletic departments and the schools say, is it worth it to have a Division One football program? Uh, and, you know, we'll see if, if it gets to that extreme uh, down the road. But, you know, once this academic year wraps up and there's going to be so much 
money lost um, that I think there's going to be a lot of tough decisions with, with football possibly being cut or other sports possibly uh, being cut. And that's, that's the, the tough thing that FCS programs or just college programs in general have to weigh. I mean, you obviously have to do what's best for the players and their safety, but at the same time, you, you have to look at, you know, financial you know, stuff as well. And um, I think there is a, a good way to balance that, you know, making sure uh, looking out for your budget, but at the same time, uh, not being greedy uh, by money. Uh, that's one reason I do like the FCS is there. It, it's a more genuine level compared to the power five where a lot of things are driven by money. Uh, like you said, in the FCS money it is a big deal and does drive some decisions, but it's not to that, you know, greedy, you know, oily kind of gross feel to, to the power five decisions that at some, at some time or at, in some scenarios. So, uh, yeah, the FCS is just a really interesting uh, subdivision when it, when it comes to, when it comes to stuff like that, when you look at it. Sam Herder joining us from Hero Sports, writes for Hero Sports, covers the FCS nationally here on the ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls. And Sam, you you sort of outline kind of what you anticipate happening, uh, uh, broadly speaking, but what do you think the reality is of of a spring season? Like, really, like, there's so much that, that first of all, we don't know, like, the assumption that, that we'll just be in a better place in virtue of it being later in time. I don't know. You know, I, don't, I hope so, obviously. And I think there's some reasons to think that would be the case, but that it's not as if that's a, anything like a foregone conclusion in my mind. And also, there's a lot of FCS kids that have a, uh, you know, a goal and a desire to be in the NFL, and that runs into everything that 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 happens there, from the combine to the play, you know, to the to the pro days, to the draft, and everything else. What 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 is the true viability of spring football? To, to interject on that really quick too, though, one thing you got to consider is it's not necessarily This is I, this is from administrators, at least at the Montana schools. It's not necessarily about being in a better place. And it's not even necessarily about having a vaccine. It's about being able to pay for the testing. That's the number one thing that these that these administrators are going to have to deal with now. It's so expensive. It's not in the budget. You didn't prepare for this. So I've heard that there's they're they're exploring playing games a game or two this fall simply to pay for the testing. The other thing that we got to remember. These are fall sports championship directives, not football directives, not FCS directives. This is 22 sports we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You can't just test football. You got to have tests for every single woman soccer player as well, every volleyball player. How do you make that money? You have to find a way to make the money, and so it's it's not necessarily even about a waiting game or getting into a better quote unquote situation. It's strictly about having the funds to be able to abide by these demands. Regardless, yeah, and I think I, I think I think that's a big reason the testing. Uh, that's a big reason why I'm not overly uh, optimistic about it. Uh, you know, about having this number of teams uh, playing this year above 50%, just because I think a lot of teams are going to, you know, look at it financially and say we, we simply can't afford to test uh, players every single week. You know, I think I saw a number of, you know, if, if a football team at the FCS level had to test their players every week in a season total, that would be close to half a million dollars. Uh, and that, like you said, that's just not in the budget, plus you factor in that the, that the – the, the, the ticket revenue isn't there either. So I think playing in the spring is the last option. Um, but if that is the only option, I think that's that's what they're going to do. Um, and I, I do think that uh, it'll be a mess just with the NFL draft. And, you know, the, that'll mess with the fall of 2021 as well. 
Uh, but I think that's why teams are very determined to play uh, this fall if they can is because there's no guarantees that things are going to be better in the spring. And if you have the go-ahead from your conference and your, your school president and from health officials to play this fall, um, I do think teams will take advantage of that just to say, hey, we have an opportunity to play some games now. Uh, let's go ahead and do it and, and try to get as many games as possible in this fall. Well, Sam, I'll tell you what, man, we appreciate you being here. Uh, the insight, very, very helpful, uh, I think, at least in terms of where we're at here on the 5th of August. And uh, we appreciate you coming on, being with us as always. Sam Herter from Hero Sports. Go read him, heroesports.com. Follow him along on Twitter as well. Sam, thank you. All right, thank you, guys. I mean, it is uh, it is a mess. It's going to continue to be a mess. 50%, man. I'm going to come back to this. This happens all the time with money, Coulter. People say, well, we got to raise $20 million for this facility. Yep. It is, it is certainly not $20 million that it costs. Maybe it's nineteen million five hundred thirty-eight thousand six, or maybe it's twenty and a half, you know, a million. But everything gets rounded off, and we just accept. Maybe it's easier for the mind to process like these even numbers. Yeah. And so, okay, so sure, maybe the twenty million dollars gets you there, and the project can get done or whatever. But like, it's probably not the actual itemized list total. You know what I mean? That they put out there on stuff like that. This fifty percent thing, to Sam's point. If 90% of the teams that were going to be in contention for a national championship exactly. are still available, exactly. regardless of the total exactly. number of teams, it's crazy. And, and, and the 50% is just like, I, I just feel like it's just so very arbitrary in this case. And it's also just, it's flipping the entire structure of, got to be careful because we don't want to politicize this too much. But You always say that. But... College football is a meritocracy first and capitalism second, period. So it doesn't matter what you agree with or disagree with. Letting Marist and Stetson and Cornell and Jacksonville and, you know, a variety, Central Connecticut State, letting them influence what North Dakota State and South Dakota State and Montana and Montana State might do. It's ridiculous. Well, and it, it's I, ridiculous. You know, I don't know but, that it was thought of in those terms exactly. I mean, the, I, I imagine the idea is if if we don't have 50% of the teams playing, what does it even mean to have a fall champion? Exactly. And so I understand that at that and, level, but also it feels like there wasn't much more thought than that that went into it. I thought it was interesting that Sam said that the Missouri Valley is all bound together and that they all are ready to go and ready to play. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in the big sky. I think people are being completely way over optimistic. I don't think that there's even 35 or I, I, I would say that there's let, let's let's be generous here. I think there's less than 50 teams in the FCS that this is financially uh, viable for. I don't think there's one team that it's financially well, right, viable. Right, but like even even like pinching your pennies all the way to the bottom of the barrel. I, again, I've heard so many arguments about all the different elements of this pandemic. And the way to negotiate and navigate them. But it, it, to me, it's not about testing procedure or or um, transparency when it comes to those numbers or a vaccine or any of that. You push it to the spring because you buy yourself time to make a plan. 
And that plan is the broad sports plan, not the pandemic plan. You have to make a plan in terms of what the schedule is going mm-hmm. to be. It's just like making the schedule again because that's what you're going to have to do essentially yeah. anyways is remake the schedule. You push to the spring to buy time, period. Yeah. You hope and pray that the scenario is better. It might not be. You have no ability to predict that. You only do it, though, because the NCAA has backed you into a corner by making you wait for what didn't happen the last two days. And that's my biggest gripe with it. Like I, like I said, the NCAA runs championships. That's it. They, there was no decision for them to be made. What was going to happen, what happened the last two days, is the only thing that was ever going to happen. It's the only decision that they can make. They have to pass the buck. But they should have passed the buck a long time ago to give the people that can make decisions time to do it. Yeah. Because now you're running out of time. I mean, Montana opened fall camp on Monday. We're not even talking about it. No, we're not. Montana State slid it open fall camp on Friday. I was talking to some sports information people. They're like, well, what the hell are we supposed to do? Yeah. Are you guys going to cover it? You can't cover it. So what are we going to do? We want somebody to cover it because we want some coverage. We want some exposure, but you can't cover it. And what's the point of doing it? If it's just going to get canceled the next day, who knows? It's it's such a convoluted situation. And that's why my biggest criticism is they should have just started this process earlier when it comes to letting the schools know that it was their decision to be made. But I still think that my uh, my scenario of optimism that I presented yesterday, I still think is what's going to happen. I think that we're going to have a few live football events this fall, and I think we're going to have a spring season, and it might actually work out for us as the viewing public to get more FCS football than we, a more elongated form of FCS football than we've ever seen before. It's two telling one is one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. This is all very hard to wrap your head around. <laughs> yeah, Decisions are very hard to get to. So let me help you, people. Okay, you're my friends, and I want your lives to be easy. This is a simple solution for all the problems. Paradise Falls, Paradise Falls on Brooks near the corner of Brooks and Reserve Street, south end of town. They got expansive indoor seating you can stay socially distant you got your you know your group your party that you come with and you can be away from each other they also have one of the great decks and operation patios to go sit outside it's covered if it's a you know hot sunny day which it's been recently they even have misters out there kids played with them they thought they were at a free water park that was great and they are open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They got a regular happy hour. They got a late happy hour. 18 rotating beer beer tap handles. A great new menu. I mean, it can't get easier than that, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Paradise Falls, and I want you to enjoy yourself a full slate of NBA. There you go. Go down there yes. early afternoon. You can get in a little bit of iced tea, some lunch. Then you can watch the early NBA game. That'll run you right into the early happy hour. All of a sudden, you it's can have happy. NHL you can have happy too. hour all the way until it's almost dinner time. Then you can watch some NHL and some NBA during the evening slot, and then all of a sudden, the late happy hour, which runs Monday through Thursday, will begin at 9 p.m. as well. 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, both happy hours, offering three dollar beers, half price cocktails, as well as half price appetizers. Head on down to Paradise Falls today, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. 
At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, our team works with you to understand your technology demands, then deploys the right solution for your unique needs. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Blackfoot, connect to more. Hey, if you want to do a Wing It Wednesday, give us a call, 361-3688. Colt has got some golf questions for you if you uh, feel good about the PGA Championship, golf in general. I'll help you out on those. You can get some wings to the Desperado today, 361-3688, the phone number, 361-3688. Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Good to be with all of you out there in the world. Um... We uh, are available also on Twitter at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT. Again, just a quick update. The tournament ongoing uh, as we speak in Billings, uh, the uh, state baseball tournament. The Missoula Mavericks, a sixth seed, lost to the Kalispell Lakers, the three seed earlier today, seven to five. So Missoula will play the loser of the Helena Great Falls game uh, tomorrow o'clock. Uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock, and that will be a loser-out matchup. This is a double elimination tournament, so, uh, you know, you lose your first one, obviously, and then you got one left, or else uh, it's all over for you for the season. And currently, uh, five innings in, the Helena Senators blanking Great Falls 3 nothing. so we'll keep you apprised on that, and obviously we'll have a full scoreboard and uh, matchups for you tomorrow. By the way, Spencer Morton on Twitter with the uh, score for the Mavs game. Victor Flores getting it done for the Helena Great Falls game, followed by Billings versus Billings. The Scarlets and the Royals playing the nightcap this evening at 7 o'clock. As Coulter mentioned, Bozeman, the number one overall seed, they have a bye in the first round today. And how big a deal is that to be able to have a bye in the first round? Um, they will... Uh, they will uh, play tomorrow, Bozeman will, against the winner of the two Billings teams uh, against one another. So there you go. That's the uh, activity, the actual sports action that is ongoing across the state as we speak right now. A couple things to add to our conversation from Sam Herder, as well as just the landscape of sports in Montana in general. Yeah. I understand everybody's desire for some sort of governing body, some sort of prominent entity to make a definitive decision. The NCAA, quote-unquote, passing the buck gives the Big Sky, as well as the Division I Council, a chance to do that a little bit more, at least, than what the scenario was. But the one thing we have not considered is that none of this matters if you can't get past the county health departments. We, we just talked about the, the state tournament for Legion Baseball being moved from Helena to Billings. Montana... Say, say in a perfect world, Montana landed an 11-game schedule with six home games, and they were going to play a powerhouse of just a, every game everybody ever wanted. Idaho, Eastern, Montana State, North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, bring them on. It doesn't matter because if the health department doesn't let you do it, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. That, and that's one thing that I think that is going to be the absolute crux of this entire thing is it doesn't matter if you come up with a plan that works for everybody on an athletic standpoint. You have a completely different entity that could shut down the whole shooting match. The other thing is, working on 
And I obviously don't write about or really break much news when it comes to high school sports, but do have some irons in the fire when it comes to that. There's some big announcements coming uh, for Montana high school sports, especially when it pertains to the AA level. As we talked about when the MHSA released all their guidelines, there's 16 high schools in seven towns in Montana that make up the majority of the high school students in the state of Montana. Mm-hmm. There's also 171 other high schools that are in places <laughs> that don't that are nowhere near right, what right. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. What is happening in Glasgow and how you regulate something that happens in Glasgow or Malta or Sydney or Fort Benton or Plentywood is utterly different than what you're going to do in Bozeman, where there's a bunch of cases of, of COVID going on right now. So... There's a lot of different fracturing that could happen when it comes to the AA compared to the rest of the MHSA. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But there's also just a bunch of stuff going on with the schools themselves. We haven't talked about what actually the schools are going to do. We've heard the University of Montana, Montana State are going to have on-campus classes as of now. How long does that last? Mm -hmm. As soon as classes get canceled, what does that mean for sports? It means no sports. That's what that means for sports at the college level. At the high school level, it's the same. Talking to some people that work in high schools in Missoula, and they were saying right now the proposal is... Based on what your last name starts with, you'll go to school on Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday and Thursday, and then have some sort of uh, sporadic day on Friday. But how does that affect the athletic playing field? High school kids, I mean, you go to football practice every day if you only have to go to school two days a week? How's that going to impact the way that you're able to focus on a sport or school? I don't know. I just think that there's so many different factors that we haven't necessarily talked about that are going to have nothing to do with sports that will still influence sports. Stu Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Quick break on the other side. Coulter's going to tell me about the PGA. I'm going to nail all those questions, and I know mm. that he's got some NBA that he wanted to get back to that's actually talking about games that are being played. How about that? Right after this. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf and nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And it's recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high-quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they are talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television on a Wednesday afternoon. Hope you're well. Good to be with you on this very warm Wednesday. Uh, quick update. It's official now. Helena has gone on to shut out Great Falls. They actually doubled their 
run total from the fifth inning, a 6 nothing victory for Helena. So they will play Kalispell tomorrow at 4. Missoula will play Great Falls at 1. The loser of that game, the Great Falls-Missoula game, will uh, have their season come to a close. So uh, big games tomorrow at the uh, state tournament. If you missed anything in the show, listen on the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available everywhere, wherever you get your podcasts, all over the place. Okay, you go check it out there. Listen on your own time. Send it to your friends and uh, and do all the things. We appreciate that very much. The podcast available thanks to Alpine Touch and Blackfoot. All right, Coulter, tomorrow, the PGA Championship, the first major of the year on August the 6th, will commence in San Francisco. Tell me uh, what your questions are. I will answer them with ease. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, I think you actually will get this first one. Okay. okay. Uh, this iconic golfer roared his way to four PGA Championship victories in 1999, 2000, 2006, Tiger Woods. 2007. Tiger Woods. Back-to-back twice at the PGA. That's correct. Very good. You are one for one. Um, number two. If the answer to a trivia question about golf is Tiger Woods, usually it's gettable. That's right. Number it's like two. Wayne Gretzky. Number two, Brooks Kepka yeah. is looking to win the PGA Championship for the third time and also become the first golfer in golf history to win three straight yes. PGA Championships. Yes. Five golfers have won three PGA Championships total. Not not consecutively, but total. Give me one guy who's won three overall, three or more PGA Championships. Uh, well, Jack. Jack Nicholas. Which then in turn answers the next question, oh boy. which was, two men have won a record five PGA Championships. Mm. Walter Hagen did it. Uh, actually, this is true. I, I'm disproving what I just said about Brooks Kepka. Walter Hagen won five championships, including four in a row. Wow. 1924, 25, 26, and 27. Mm-hmm. Roaring 20s for Walter Hagen. Mm-hmm. So Brooks Kepka looking to become the first three in a row champion in uh, what? Count him up in uh, almost 100 almost years. Almost 100. Yeah, 95 Yeah, years. 95 years. But, but then Jack also The question five, was, who's yeah. the other one that won five? Jack Nicholas. So then let's double down then. So Walter Reagan has five. Jack Nicholas has five. Tiger Woods has four. Mm-hmm. Two other golfers have three. Can you name one of those two men? Well, I'll give you a hint. Sam Snead. Sam Snead is with that. That's okay. one. 42, 49, and 51. The other one, Gene Sarazen, 22, mm. 23, and 33. Um, yeah. Okay, last question. Okay. Who was the last person to win the PGA Championship not named Brooks Kepka? Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas is correct. Two years ago. Well, three years ago now. Uh, yeah, JT got his 13th victory last week, so he's feeling like coming into this thing. I'm excited about it. All right. Brooks Kepka, one of 15 guys with multiple PGA Championship victories, just two. Can you name any of the other 50, of the other 15 guys with two PGA Championships? Um, I don't know. Has One's Phil, a contemporary. Has Phil? Phil won it once? Phil has not. Phil Rory. Has only, Phil has only won it once. Rory has won it twice. Yeah. 2012, 2014. Okay. Before that, the most recent uh, two-time winner, Vijay Singh, 1998 and 2004. Most of the other guys that have won multiples uh, were way back in the day. Yeah, we're yeah. talking 50, 60, 70 years ago. Two-time PGA champions. It's actually funny because the PGA championship with the exception of Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods, was actually the major that eluded most of the elite golfers, which defies conventional wisdom because the PGA Championship has always had the um, reputation as being by far the easiest major. Mm. But it's the one that guys like Tom Watson and Gary Player and Arnold Palmer could never really win. 
It's more because those guys have a little bit unorthodox. I mean, Tom Watson, I won five of his eight majors at the British Open. Right. Because he's a link style golfer. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy like uh, Raymond Floyd or Lee Trevino, those guys are U.S. Open type mm. golfers, right? Like Lee Jansen, you know, even Phil Mickelson is a very good U.S. Open player. Even though he never won it, but did finish second six Like ten guys, right. Poor guy. But, I mean, it, the U.S. Open is the most distinctly different of the, of the majors, right? Because well, no, I think the Open Championship is the most distinctly different right, because right. it's... Because it usually is in the hay and the wind and the rain. I, I guess. I guess. Isle, I guess the comment I'm getting at is it's not that it's uh, distinctly different. It's that it's the most intentionally difficult. Yeah, it is because, the hardest. Because yeah. the the Open Championship, they let the course and the elements make the course hard. They don't have to rig and it, it up. And if it doesn't happen, it, they could score. Great, right, if, right. If they right. a nice day. But like you played at St. Andrews, you don't have to screw with the pins in the rough because you just let the wind blow the ball into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Whereas at the U.S. Open, I don't know if it's an American thing or if it's just the it's because it's because it's a USGA and not PGA sanctioned right. event, right? So that sometimes at the U.S. Open they just make the courses literally impossible to play. I, it, it's my opinion that the reason Brooks Kepka has won back to back U.S. Opens is because he's the one that gets flustered the least. Yeah. Well, it's not literally impossible, so let's start there. Well, sure. But secondly, I believe that the goal, the, the, the sort of, uh, whether this is stated or not, but the goal of the USGA is to make even par for the tournament the winning the winner. Score. Right. Yeah. They, they want to make, they, they their goal is to have Ha- have the best player be the guy who can go out there and shoot even par. A couple roughly. years ago, when they didn't cut the rough, and Rory McIlroy broke his club and was considering dropping out of the tournament because he thought he broke his wrist. Mm. Swinging at it. That yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, there's... If Rory can't hit it out the rough, you need moments. to cut the grass a little bit. You know what, though? No, you don't. I know, I know. You know, these guys complain about this, that, and the third. I remember the greens, you know, at Chambers Bay were, you know, had some problems. And and, and I'm not saying some of that complaining isn't justified. But you know what? Everybody's on the same track. True. So. True. And it it humanizes them and normalizes it so much. That's right. Well, it's like my brother's always argued. He says, okay, I get the PGA courses are way longer and narrower and tougher than any course we're going to ever play just in the state of Montana, right? But also, they're so phenomenally manicured. You have 100 people trying to help you find your ball. That's right. You're never going to get the lie like you're going to get at Canyon River where the ball is underneath the patch of fescue. <laughs> like, it's not happening. It's actually no, an on-play, an no unplayable. No person can hit that shot. No one. Yeah, yeah. Um, boys and girls, uh, I prom- Colter, here's my promise to you. We will talk about the NBA tomorrow. That's okay? great. Uh, That's great. I also, I always struggle on golf tournaments. Where do I watch them? They migrate around a lot, a lot of different networks, days, times, that stuff. ESPN is the platform, and they are they are airing the, uh, uh, the, the tournament, the first major of the season on ESPN television and on ESPN Plus if you have the streaming service. So that's where you can go look at You can get all your dates and times. Makes it easier. You don't have multiple different channels, networks to filter through there. So just for what it's worth, that's where you can listen to or watch the tournament if you're into it like uh, Coulter and myself. Last 20 seconds here. The remaining dominoes to fall here are going to have to do with the money games that are on the FCS schedule. Idaho State, they're scheduled to play two Mountain Wests. They're exploring pushing those games back a year. If that happens, that'll be a big domino to fall when it comes to the Big Sky landscape. Boys and girls, thanks for being with us on a Wednesday afternoon. Have a wonderful rest of your nights. To tell Nuanas, it's ESPN Radio.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 